Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Carey. Hey, Two Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901, and that'll get you right straight to us. That's right, and should you happen to be out of the area code, zip code, wow. Boy, I tell you, area it's code. close to Christmas, man. Yeah. <laughs> you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's right, 225. Just post that right on the front of that 291-6901, and you can get right to us. And we always love hearing from folks outside of our normal calling area, as well as the folks here in Baton Rouge. We do. It kind of gives us a different perspective of what's going on around the country, because as it is, it's, yeah, it's 60 degrees here this morning, yeah. fairly nice, nice weather. In another part of the country, it might be... Minus 30. <laughs> it might be 60 below. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> That's right. Boy, we have just delightful weather this time of year in South Louisiana. It's right. One of the, I guess, the best things about being here and living here. It's the part of the season I like the best. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it, cool mornings. In fact, I think very early this morning, might have dipped down to the 40s. Right. Uh, up to about 60, going up to 72, I think, in the height of the day. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, very, very <laughs> Sunshine. That's right. Folks who have never been to Louisiana, it's a place you probably need to put on your bucket list because right. I feel it's just sort of a unique place. And there's actually, there's Louisiana, North Louisiana. Okay. Then there's South Louisiana. All right. Which are two totally different states. Most definitely. And then there's New Orleans. <laughs> which is a whole different area oh, completely. Most yeah. definitely. Yeah. Each one sort of has their own little culture and mm-hmm. little things. And one of the things, there, there are words here that, particularly in South Louisiana, they just don't have anywhere else. Right. Like parrain. Parrain. Man, What's a parrain? A parrain is your godfather. There you go. <laughs> your nanan, that is your godmother. Correct. Which may be your parrain's wife. But or it may not be. Not necessarily. That's right. It <laughs> <laughs> depends on who your parents chose to be your godparent. That's it. And just lots of little words and things like that that we sort of just use like lanyap. Okay. It's a word you don't see too much outside of South Louisiana. And right. Of course, lanyap is a little something extra that a merchant gives to his customers just to make them happy and make mm-hmm. sure they come back. For instance, in the old days, you might go in and buy a piece of meat of some kind, a steak or a roast, and the butcher may get a little piece of sausage with it. That was lanyap. There you go. A little something extra. <laughs> Just good business. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Yeah. Yep. So when you go down to New Orleans, because it is such a melding of cultures, there's really, it's almost a unique thing all its own. Sure. In fact, people think of New Orleans, particularly the French Quarter, as being French. Mm-hmm. But actually, the architecture in the French Quarter is more Spanish than it is French. In fact, if you go to like Cartagena or any of the Spanish big cities, colonial-type cities, you'll think you're in the French Quarter. <laughs> you know, the balconies and right. the courtyards right. and all that sort of thing. That's really more spanish influence than it is French, although the language was French. And mm-hmm. I think originally what that was was the French-speaking quarter. Okay. Is, it wasn't so much the French people, but it's French because everyone there spoke French. They called it. So to call it the French Quarter. That's right. Now it's the French Quarter. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing where those names come That's from. That's right. A little history there. You, you go down into the French Quarter, and of course you see streets and stuff, names uh, which are very French. Like, for instance, I live on Charter Street. Okay. C H A R T R E S. Right, it's not spelled the way you think it would yeah, be. That's right. That's again the French influence on it. Uh-huh. So if you ever get a chance from wherever you may be to visit Louisiana and particularly South Louisiana and New Orleans, it's it's sort of a unique thing. It's sort of a place that I think a lot of people maybe should visit at some point in their life. And with all the television and movies that they're making in this area now, I think it's kind of stirred up a whole another interest in the state. Sure, Louisiana has become the kind of the South. Hollywood. Well, it has, man. And there's there's a lot of, not theater, what I'm thinking of, cinema, movie right. uh, production well, pro- going on here. Production facilities. And I know in 
where I live in the French Quarter, I mean, they they were blocking off the streets this morning when I came out because uh-huh. we could do some shooting in the area. Right, they're actually filming uh, the NICS, right. CNCIS. I'm yeah, sorry, there you go down there. The new series is down there. Right. And they've done a little in here in Baton Rouge. They actually came out to the USS Kid and mm-hmm. did some filming on it recently. There you go. So if you hadn't been to South Louisiana, we kind of little plug there, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> for the state. And, of course, if your car happens to break down while you're down here, come see us. That's right. right We're here. Right here in Baton Rouge, which is about oh, 70 miles from New right, Orleans. About an hour and a half, yeah. roughly, depending on what well, part of New Orleans you're coming and, out and of. And where you drive. I, yeah. I'm making about an hour. but yeah. Well, I saw that this morning coming in. <laughs> and depending on what the traffic's like. That's, that's right. That's for certain. How fast the traffic's actually moving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you do get a chance, it's one of those things that I think people need to kind of put on their bucket list. Sure. Come on down and see us. Nice place to visit. Well, that's right. And we lot, actually want to live here. That's right. We, we, we choose to live here. It's kind of a unique place. But you know, we were talking about uh, cars breaking down and one thing and another. And before the show came on, we were talking about like windshield wipers, uh-huh. which is one of those topics you don't really think about a lot. Until it rains. That's right. And, of course, here it rains a whole lot. It does. Yeah, out in South California, it doesn't rain so much except when it rains. <laughs> when it <laughs> last, rains, it last rains. Last week it rained, yeah. 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 And what happens is you don't think about the wiper blades, but they tend to deteriorate over time. Sure. And they'll start streaking and spotting and no, skipping. No, not only that, they sit in one one spot on the windshield for a long time. The mm-hmm. sun heats them up and cools them down. They heat up and cool down. Before long, they actually stick to the windshield. Mm-hmm. If there's not any need for them, they will actually stick to the windshield. Right. And when they come loose, they come loose jaggedly. Right. And it tears the edge instead of having a nice, sharp crisp edge to catch the water mm-hmm. it tears it and it's got a bunch of little holes in it now right. so it doesn't clean the windshield as well streaking. anymore that and it can also break the wiper transmission sure i've seen, seen that where the arm generally it's hooked to a little spline shaft that comes out with a nut and if that wiper sticks enough and you turn the wipers on it may turn the shaft may turn inside the arm and right. unscrew the nut well when the nut gets loose then the shaft moves back and forth and the blade does not correct and i have seen folks think that was a major problem whereas sometimes all i do is pop a little cap off the end register the wipers back to the park position and tighten the nut and of course break the wiper blade free from the windshield go ahead and right. put a fresh blade on it and you can restore the wipers to working every so often we actually get a freeze down here that will freeze the wiper blades to the windshield and we see a lot of that happen the transmissions come apart that's because right. the blades are actually froze to the windshield and they can't move and of course they see that awful lot up north sure you get a lot of ice and snow and that sort of thing and I know I've seen folks take a big pot of hot water and, and throw, throw it on, on the windshield. windshield. <laughs> and while that will unstick the wiper blade. It doesn't do much good for the windshield. You know, if you got a little crack in that glass, it's probably going to shoot all the way across. It will with run. amazing rapidity. It will run. And, <laughs> and that seems to be the, the time of year that a lot of windshields get put in. Yeah. Not necessarily for that reason, but you think about it. The car's been out in the weather. Mm-hmm. It's been sitting there at around here, say, 20 degrees. Mm-hmm. And it gets 20 degrees. That's well, right. when you get ready to leave in the morning, you take the water hose, if you haven't wrapped it and it hadn't frozen, mm-hmm. or a bucket of water, and you throw it on the windshield. Well, you have immediately warmed that windshield up past freezing. Right. So if there, like you said, there was a crack or something that had started a rock chip, mm-hmm. when that expansion and contraction takes place, yeah, it's going to run. It's going to definitely run. And it, at the best part, it doesn't run into your view. That's right. So if it runs into your view, then it's definitely a new windshield. New windshield be got. Right. I was up in Vermont one time on vacation, and we got up, and I guess it was down in the teens that morning, and I was in my Land Cruiser, which had a little peck in the windshield, not too bad, but I cut my defroster zone. Right. And 
as the warm air from the defrosters hit it, I could watch it. I could watch the crack. <laughs> I'm like, look, 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 look. <laughs> and it went all the way across to the pasture side. Like I said, fortunately, it went out of my line of view. So uh-huh. It didn't hamper my vacation, but right. uh, it ran all the way oh, across. Yeah. So it'll do it. Yeah. So one of those things, you, if your wipers are stuck, what you don't want to do is take a big pot of hot water. And folks up north are probably laughing right now. I know they, it. They know that we're very, very well, but. It freezes so infrequently down here. Right. Maybe that, twice, three times a year. Oh, at most. At most. Yeah, so Every once in a while, we have a, a dramatic winter, and it'll freeze. A couple, three times. Right. But most time, we don't even – or I'm not going to say most time. But a lot of times, we don't even see a freeze mm-hmm. during the entire uh, winter. It may not ever get uh, down below the low 30s. Right. And here it is, December, and we've already had at least – I know we had a heavy, heavy frost the other day. Yeah, yeah, we had. One, I mean, it coated everything. So yeah, one or two, right? And we noticed a fluctuation in mm-hmm. wiper blades and things like windshields. We've actually had a company come out and put a couple windshields in at the shop That's for right. customer cars. That's right. Hey, we're gonna take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. I get your kicks on Route 6. And that's why Justin Bieber should never, I repeat, never be cloned. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about $2,500 worth of work, a new AC, and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a new car? So how much you paid for it six years ago? $40,000. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it costs you $30,000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about $2,500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about $1,200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh? Whoa, sounds like I need to keep my old car. Then bring it to Agco Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer. Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any stock market tips? Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us in the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. And if you give us a call, we try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That's, right now is a perfect time to call. we got all our lines wide open, well, except right. for the one that's ringing, so that's a good sign. <laughs> that's but right. And this will be the last live show of the year. That's right. So if you want a live answer, now is the time. That's right, because next week we will be on Christmas vacation, so right. it'll be a recorded show. It's a good show. We put it together for you. I think you'll really enjoy it, but it will be a recorded show. You will not be able to call in. So if you got something kind of bouncing around in the back of your mind. Now's the time. Now is the time to call. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what John did. Good morning, John. How are you? Good. Okay, hey, sir. Good. I was going to say, we were talking about Louisiana. They were saying, I saw an article in the, in the Toronto paper that they said that Louisiana is one of the most desirable places in the United States to live. Well, from my well, standpoint, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it's for everybody, but if you like outdoors life, you can get out and about probably 11 months out of the year. Yeah, depending on how much you like it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right. I know people that are out 12 months of the year. That's right. But it's a really good. I know I saw a survey recently, and they were talking about, I guess, happiness of people in certain areas. And uh-huh. Baton Rouge ranked, I think it was in the top 10 wow. of happiness of people in the area, how pleased you were with where you live. That's great. So I you, think I think that was probably the article that I saw. About it, that. it may very well have been, yes, sir. It's, it's a very desirable place. And like I said, I always try to tout it to folks outside the area as a tourist a destination. And, of course, New Orleans is an extremely popular tourist destination. Every time... I go down, I, I stay there on the weekends. I've got a condo down in the corner. 
And I just love meeting people from all over the world. And, I mean, it's, it's just such a friendly place. You can just strike up a conversation with almost anyone. And it's just like everybody's having a good time. Of course, the consumption of alcohol may have something to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a car question. Sure, you did. I did tell me about uh, doing the power steering, and I did that on the, the 2008 Accord. But I have a 2012 uh, Civic, uh-huh. which has electric power steering. Yes, and that is no correct. Pump. That is right. And I don't know how to get at it. I looked in the owner's man. There's no discussion about it. No, well, there's no service on that one. It's all electric, and it's nothing really to be maintained. It's a sealed unit. It's basically just a big stepper motor with a module that runs it, and it's going to work until it fails. And when it fails, you just have to replace it as a unit. But i got to say, when they first came out, they had a little bit of problem with those, but they've been out for years now, and we see very little problems out of them. We're actually, actually seeing them going to the aftermarket now. Yeah. So it's it's pretty robust little system. Yeah, it works out pretty well. well that's great. Well, let's see season show of the season. I wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas and thank you for everything. Well, thank, well, thank you, you, sir. sir. We sure appreciate you calling. All right, bye. Right, bye bye. Bye right, two nine one sixty nine zero one. Of course, that's John from Toronto, Canada. He is. He's kind of a regular listener on the show. He is regular He's contributor. Spoken, speaking to him several times. There you go. And we've got John again. Good morning, John. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I got a question about my truck. Driving down the interstate last night, mm-hmm. and I saw some smoke coming from underneath my truck. Behind me, big cloud. Get out. Uh huh. Look under it. I got transmission fluid everywhere under the bottom of my truck. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of truck is it, John? It's a Ford F one fifty. Okay. Mm hmm. And I can't tell exactly where it's well, coming from. Well, I can almost bet you where it's coming from is the front pump seal. They had a good deal of trouble with those seals. They actually revised the front seal. And normally what happens is that you will drive a good distance and then maybe come to a stop, and then right after that it just starts dumping the fluid out. And ironically, if you fill it back up, it may do just fine for another week, month, whoever can say period of time because the seal will go back and actually reseal but don't be fooled into thinking that it's fixed that's almost always where that's coming from that's and that front converter seal right and to get to that seal you have to take the unit out of the right. truck to access it because Trans- it's transmission. behind the converter right transmission has to come out and you take the torque converter out if the, if the neck on the converter is not damaged which if you catch it early it probably won't be you can generally clean that up put a new seal of the revised type in there put it back in and you should be good but normally, if you refill it with fluid, you'll be able to drive it again. But just don't think that it's fixed because it's going to do it again. All right. Well, I had a tow at home, so yeah, yeah, it's uh, not going to be driving. Yeah, do not so. try to drive it low because not oh, only yeah, does fluid make it go, but it also lubricates it. So it'll right, burn it up. Yeah, you'll take moderately small repair and turn it into a major repair real, real fast trying to drive it or run it. So if you want to try to get it somewhere, you could find out what fluid it takes. Probably going to be Mercon 5, depending on what year model you got. Go ahead and fill it up again, and it's probably going to drive fine and quit leaking. Although sometimes I see them just blow out and quit. You know, they just keep keep pouring right. out. You could probably pour some in there and just crank it up and see. But a lot of times I see them actually reseal long enough to get it somewhere. Okay. All righty. All right. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. Two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, fight, we'd love to have you. Yep. And we got Victor online. Good morning, Victor. Hey. Good morning. How you doing? Just fine, sir. Hey, how you doing? Uh, yeah, I had a question. I have a 2006 Mercury Montego, and uh-huh. it has those puddle lamps on the side view mirrors. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's gone bad, and on the, the driver's side doesn't work at all, and they're expensive. And the one yeah. on the passenger side, 
it comes on intermittently, but I want to know, is that on the body control module? I mean, I don't understand where to start. Yeah. Uh, when I go to have it repaired, I want to at least be a little bit informed with it. You can just have to get a voltmeter and find out where the voltage drops out. It could be the mirror itself. It could be the body module does control the gen, actually what they call the general electronics module. You said it was on a Ford? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Mercury Montego, yeah, 2006. Yeah, the, what they call the general electronics module controls all the lighting on a Ford. And the gym modules are pretty expensive, and we hadn't seen that problem with them. I have seen the headlights go out on them quite a bit. We actually repair them for that problem. But you're just going to need to get a voltmeter and go in and test the circuits and see where the power drops out. And it could mm. be – normally I think it's the mirror itself is what we see more than anything else. Uh, but well, the mirror, the, it works, you know, like if you're adjusting it, they mm-hmm. both work. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, both that, mirrors work. That's a and, separate... And uh, the interior yeah. light's on, because it seems like when the interior lights come on, like when you open the door, mm-hmm. the interior lights come on, and they're supposed to come on, but they're not coming on. Well, one is not, and the other one is intermittently. Yeah, and, and the mirror light's the same? Yeah, the yeah interior lights come on, mm-hmm. but the mirrors, okay. the one yes. does the, uh, the If you open the door, that Correct. does not work. Does it say door ajar? Does that function work? Yeah, that works. Yeah, and the little bell, mm-hmm. that works. Oh, that's working. Yeah. Well, that means the door switch is okay. Possibly could be in that gym module, but I would certainly want to do some pin tests. You just have to have a wiring diagram and start tracing the wire back. You know the door module is or the door switch is working because your uh, door jar works off the same circuit. Correct, and, and the little, that little bell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly, and if the inside and outside both go out at the same time, it's got to be related. You know, it could be as simple as like a wire. Normally, where the wires go into the door, there's like a handful of wires right there, Correct. and they make a curve. We've seen those wires break because when you open and close the door, they flex, and I have seen a few of those wires break inside the harness and cause that kind of an issue. And it may oh, make contact like sometimes. It's, it's got like a plastic where it's between the door. That's right, right. like a little convoluted uh, right. uh, Correct. Yeah. thing. Yeah. And the wires go through that, and right on the inside of the door, they flex right there when you open and close the door. And I've repaired a lot of those just by cutting the break out and soldering the two ends of the wire back together. But can that plastic be removed? That well, you have to go from the inside of the door. Yes, sir, that, oh. can, that does come off, but generally you go from the inside of the door to get to the wires. Or the inside of the kick panel. Mm-hmm. You can get to either side of it. If you go through the inside of the kick panel or inside the door, you can take the wiring harness out, and then you can take that boot off. If you need to. If you need to, and you can do just about uh-huh. anything there you need to get done. Mm-hmm. So that could probably have a little break, and that's what's causing very it. Very likely possible. Could, yes, sir. Especially if it's wow. intermittent. Yeah, and, and that sounds more likely than the gym module, because generally when a gym module goes out, it's going to knock out the entire circuit on all the lights, not just one, and right. you know, one still kind of work. I, no, I, the interior lights work mm-hmm, and everything yeah. else. It's just uh, one. I, I would almost those suspect, things are ridiculous. Yeah, they are. They are. The, can you access that light, that little puddle light from the underside of the mirror? Yeah. Okay, take it out and see if you've got voltage there. That's the first place to start because if you've got voltage there, then it's just going to be a bulb. Mm-hmm. But if you uh-huh. don't have voltage there, you can start tracing it back. Right, just trace back the you wire. Know, pull the kick panel off, find out what color wire it is, and check it inside the car. If you have voltage yeah. inside the car, then it's somewhere between there and the mirror. Right. If you don't mm-hmm. have voltage inside the car, then you go back from there. Right. It's just a step process to find voltage. Mm-hmm. Can I use an inexpensive ohmmeter? You need a digital volt ohmmeter. Yeah, not an analog. Not an analog. You can't really find analog anymore, so just a little digital. It doesn't have to be an expensive one, no. No, just a little cheap Uh, digital Radio Shack. Is there a a certain voltage I should be looking for? Well, it's going to be 12 volts thereabouts. It might be 12.5. It might be whatever the system voltage is, but you're just looking for voltage flowing. 
Well, if you take that bulb out you know, on the if it's on zero, the bulb, it, you know, it's not flowing. And if it's twelve there around, yeah, you know, twelve right. to thirteen volts, then you're okay. On the bulb itself, it should give you a voltage mm. that's etched into the glass. You right. should be able to read it and see how many volts that yeah, bulb. Those are all going to be twelve. And that's going to be yeah, I remember, more than likely yeah, I remember one of them. It actually has the the bulb is actually like a pigtail. Yeah, it's uh-huh. a little sealed bulb. Little, not really an LED. It's just a little pigtail type bulb that solders in. Right. Yeah, yeah, because I looked after market. They don't have them. You have to go right to the dealership. Yeah, you can buy those on the Internet. You just got to get, like, the number off of it and Google that number. If you go yeah. to, like, a parts store, they're not going to have it. Right. I've bought yeah, them before on the Internet. Yeah, yeah, they're pricey, too, Well, even on the Internet. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's the place I'll start. Maybe I'll start with the pigtail connection. Yes, sir. Unplug it. I would. see if there's any, any, uh, anything going to that. And if not, then there's, like you said, there's something between the door and that that's that correct. Pigtail. And there's going to be, be careful, a, Victor. Don't take a probe off that voltmeter and stick into those little terminals because if you spread them mm-hmm. a little bit, you'll ruin them. In fact, okay. what we like to do is back probe the circuit. That's where you go from the back side of the connector and just push it down where the wire's at, and you'll see a little okay. metal in there. Use a little fine wire probe, and back probing is much less intrusive than anything else. Don't poke holes in the wires and don't oh. front probe the circuit. Right. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, you got to be careful. Yeah, did you say they were like a micro probe or something? Yeah, they like make that? a little small wire type probe. It has like a wire tip on it. Yeah, very those... thin, very thin. Yes, sir, yes, exactly. Sir. That's what you want. All right, then. All right, All right then. Well, I have Where are you calling from, Victor? Oh, Riverview, I've called you before. You helped me out. I love to listen to you guys. Oh, well, good. Good. I appreciate you calling, man. All right, and then you have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you for your Thank, help. Thanks, Victor. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Alright, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, and we're going back to oh, you, come. John. I'm sorry, I cut you off. If you would call back, I'd put you right straight back up to the top of the line and move this phone where I can actually oh. see those buttons. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure deleted him. They got the hold button and the drop button right next to each other, and I just accidentally mistakenly pushed yeah, the wrong one. Yeah, I, I do that all the time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it seemed like after just a few years, I would, you would, I would, you would think down, you'd figure out yeah, the buttons, but yeah, well. I know. <laughs> Phone lines. We got Travis online. Good morning, Travis. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. sir. I have a question. Um, I've got a, a one Yukon XL, and I was thinking about buying one of those chip programmers to kind of get a few more miles per gallon. Is yeah. there a brand better than you recommend? I wouldn't do it, Travis. I tell you, you're not going to get more mileage. All you're going to do is sacrifice something. See, all engineering, those things, I know what they say. I know they try to make it sound great. All engineering is a matter of different factors, and you're trying to balance them. In other words, you have reliability, you have economy, and you have performance. Now, you can get two, but you can't get three. Right. You can get more of two by moving further away from the third. But what you're doing, if you move towards more mileage, you're going to sacrifice reliability because you start leaning the engine out, you start advancing the timing, which takes a toll on the engine. So the overall cost to you is going to be much higher. You You end up wiping the engine out or burning a valve because you're trying to get another two miles a gallon. The right. engineers have done a wonderful job of balancing those things out for most people most of the time. It's going to be just a good, good compromise. Another problem is every time you take it in to get it worked on and they plug into it and it's not a stand, a lot of shops are not going to work on it, and the ones that do are going to be confused because it's, they've modified it. So gotcha. I just don't okay. think they're good. I, we've taken a bunch of them out because people are having trouble with them. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. All Thank right, you. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number, and we're going back to the phone line with Johnny. Good morning, Johnny. How are you guys doing? Doing great, doing sir. Great. I don't lose signal. I'm in a truck heading through Louisiana. Okay, sir. Okay. Got a ninety nine Ford Explorer uh-huh. two wheel drive. Yes, sir. I just changed the freeze plug at the front driver's side of the motor. Okay. Now the freeze plug on the side passenger side. Yes, sir. 
towards the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like it's leaking. Well, How do that, I get through that without pulling the motor? Well, a lot of times you can't. You do have to pull the motor. And I got to tell you, Johnny, when two of them are bad, you can bet every one of them in there. Right. It's it's just, just, you're just killing the, lead, the weakest link yeah, by changing them. That one, one just happens time. to pop through first. I mean, if, you, if it's a car that you like and you want to keep it, you're going to be better served to go ahead and just pull the engine out and replace all the plugs. And not only that, but when you got all the plugs out with the engine out, you can take a hose or something, get in there and wash all the rust and stuff out that block. And not just that, there's this couple behind the bell housing. Right. So that you can't get to without taking the engine out. Right. So if, you know, like Lewis was saying, if you're going to do one, you might as well do them all. Yeah, you're going to be fighting them from now right. on. And not only that, but it's got a lot of sludge and, and acid and corrosion built up in that engine block that's making these rust out which is going to just take the new ones right back out. But not only that, it's bad, bad for the engine. It's going to end up damaging your heater core or your radiator or something else. So it's better sometimes to go ahead and bite the bullet, do the bigger repair, and be done with it. Now, if you're saying, hey, Lewis, I only want to get another three months out of this thing, well, you might be able to struggle it in there and get it in. Uh, as a temporary measure, what some people do is actually take some of these rubber freeze plugs. There's like a – you can stick in there and you can tighten it up and it expands out. They'll work for a little while, but it's not a permanent fix. I mean, your best bet is just go ahead and pull the engine, wash all – knock all the plugs out, wash all the inside the engine out real good, flush the system out real good, put new plugs in it and change all the coolant and be sure you get that coolant mixed up right where it stops the corrosion. That sounds good. Sounds like good advice. There you go. Sometimes the more expensive way is the cheapest way out, you know? <laughs> I got you. I got you. All right. Well, I sure do appreciate Hi, it, Johnny. fellas. Well, hey, where you live at, Johnny? I live in Mount Airy, North Carolina. Okay. Wow. Good deal. Mayberry. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and the Griffiths country. Yeah, yeah. yeah ain't nothing <laughs> wrong with that. That's right. Um, father grew up with him. Well, good deal. Well, I appreciate you calling in, man. Y'all have a great Christmas. Thanks, sir. Thank you, sir. You Bye-bye. too. All right. We're going to take another little break. We'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. And that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my old truck needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 plus $3,500 or so in taxes, then higher insurance. And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about 15000 That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, I never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance, and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer. And I can spend money on other things like my beautiful wife. I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh? Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you? Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901. That's right. And right now is the perfect time to call. We still have a few lines open. And That's right. We still have a little bit of time a left. A lot of time. We can get you an answer. And, of course, this is the last live program of this year. Next That's right. Week will be a recorded show, so you will not be able to call in, although it will be a very interesting program, a lot of good information that uh, put together uh-huh. in a pre-recorded format for you. Great. Yeah, right now is the perfect time to give us a call. Well, it's going to be the last time of this year. <laughs> Just in case something may occur to you after we go off the air or even next week. Right, even next week at midnight. There you go. You can always get on the Internet. 
Go to our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that is take the acronyms Altazan's Garage Company. Get to our site, and there's a contact bar on each and every page. Just fill out the little form there and click the button and send it on in. It couldn't be any easier. That's right, and I'll get an answer right straight back to you. Even next week when I'm on vacation, I'll have my laptop with me. So There you go. Wherever I might be, I will do stop at least once or twice a day and answer all the emails. So don't mind doing it. Just That's great. Yep, makes, so, me, makes me think I'm, I'm being thought about. <laughs> Let me know not everybody's forgotten about there me. There you go. <laughs> Let's go to the phone lines. Michael, good morning, Michael. Good morning. Good yes, morning. Sir. Man, I love y'all's program. Well, it's thank a you, sir. great Saturday morning thing. Thank you. Great. I have one, well, actually two. Okay. okay. I bought a pickup truck some time ago, mm-hmm. and it has electric windows in it. Okay. And what I want to know is, I once heard that on the, the passenger door operates different than the driver's door. Well, when I push the, the passenger side down, mm-hmm. it stops when I do it. But on the driver's door, when I push it down, it goes all the okay. way yeah, down. Well, okay. That's called express down, and they only have that feature on the driver's door. Their figuring is that the driver's going to be using the doors a lot more. So to save money, they just don't put that feature on the passenger door. But that's in the actual door control module. When it sees the switch held for so many seconds or you're longer than just a bump, it just retains power on it until you either bump the switch again or until it gets all the way down. And, again, it's just a cost savings thing. Technically, they could have it on all four windows if they wanted to. Well, some of your models do. I think I some mean, of your Toyota, high, your high dollar. Your Lexus, your, your high-dollar cars have it on all the windows. Yeah, called Express Down, but they don't put it on, on the Chevy pickups. They put it on the driver's window, but not the others. They figure you're going to be using that window most often, so right. that's yes. the one that's more convenient. Mm-hmm. Okay, my thing is, is this, should I let the window go all the way down? And then bring it back up where you want it. I mean, you bump, could. Yeah, you can bump the switch while it's going down. Doesn't it'll hurt anything. Stop, it'll no. interrupt it. Yes, sir. That's what I do. I've got that on my car, and I find it actually an annoying feature. I don't really like it. I wish I could turn it off. If I just want it down partially, I'll just bump the switch again and have it stop. Okay, I just want to know if it would mess up the electric motor. No, sir. The well, then if I stop it, where no, I want it. No, no, you're not going to hurt it. All. it just I, cut, it cuts the power to it. And I can tell you, they have gone cheap on the window regulators. And it's a cable-operated deal now instead of a scissor, mechanical scissor lift. It's now cables and pulleys yeah, okay. and springs. And what happens after a period of time is the, the cable starts getting weak and the stop on the cable starts collapsing. A little plastic. And when it does, the, Pulley the, breaks. the spring and everything, the inside sheath of the cable starts going down into the motor. And before long, the, the cable part, the steel part, is down at the pulley. It kicks the cable off the spool on the motor yeah. and wipes the regulator out. So what he says, don't use it anymore than you got to. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I've so, got a, so it did, would not hurt me to let it go down, sir, and I can you know, manually stop it with the... With yeah, the sure. absolutely. You're not going to hurt it at it's, all. As, okay. soon, as soon as the module sees you touch the switch, it just cuts power to the motor, so it doesn't actually interrupt the motor. Okay. My second question is, thank you guys for that question. I, sure. I love that. That's great. Uh, my second, some, several months ago, somebody called up General Motors, generally lightens up all. Well, well I a lot of times they sent them out a half-court low. Right. We found well, them that yeah, they low. well, I checked mine and went to the parts store and bought, checked the owner's manual, and it took 75, 90 synthetic gear oil. Exactly. And it took an entire bottle to fill it up. Yeah. Wow. I've seen them a half-court quite a bit, and yeah. some are more than that. So. Yep. So everybody's driving a GM vehicle. Boy, there you go. There you go. <laughs> check it. Check it. You need to check it. That's yep. right. Yeah. All, All right, man. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Colin. Thank man. you. Bye-bye. All right, bud. Huh? All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we've got Willie online. Good morning, Willie. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. Good morning. Yeah, I got a 95 Chevy pickup. Uh-huh. 
and I have been really good, $257,000 on deal. it. deal. That's great. No problems, except right now, maybe. Transmission. Mm-hmm. When I'm driving along, the first time it shifts, boy, it slams in there. Uh-huh. The other one, it goes nice and smooth. Yeah, yeah. What can I do for that? Well, first thing you need to do, Willie, is check the codes. And you can't do it with a normal little code reader because it could be a manufacturer's code. and See if it has something like P1870 stored in there. What that generally is is maximum adaptive learn has been reached. What's happening is that the vehicle has slipping internally. And so when it sees it slip, it's got two sensors, one on the input, one on the output. When it sees slippage, it's going to open the pressure control solenoid to try to raise the pressure to stop the slipping. Now, when the pressure gets up to a certain point, it's going to start slamming into gear. And that's pretty dangerous because that can actually break stuff inside the transmission. Now, the reason you feel it on the 1-2 shift is because you're moving relatively slow and you got a lot of centrifugal force, the engine, relative to the speed of the vehicle. So, wham, it slams. At okay. higher speeds, it's actually doing it too, but you're moving fast enough to where the centrifugal force is carrying you through the shift, so you don't feel the hard bang like you do in the lower gears. But that will destroy the transmission. Now, best case scenario, just the solenoid is sticking, and you can replace pressure control solenoid. But most of the time, you're going to be into a transmission rebuild because either the torque converter is slipping or one of the clutches are slipping and it's boosting the pressure. And you can tell that by reading the codes on it, and that will tell you if you got that code stored or not. And with a unit that many miles on it, if it is an internal, you'd best to go ahead and have it built because if you have it built, you can actually upgrade the internal parts of right. it while you're rebuilding the transmission right. for a little extra cost. And in, in my opinion, it's well worth it. Yeah, that's right. Okay. All righty. All right. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. We got to take one last little break, but we will be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Call her what you want to know. Alphonse, my car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right? Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time. Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good-looking as you are smart? Well, let's just say, I know you wouldn't be disappointed. Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm Lewis Aldersand, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And we've got Bob's been patiently holding. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. I'm calling from Lake Elmo, Minnesota. All right, sir. I bet it's a little chilly up there, huh? Uh, we have a heat wave. Okay. 42 degrees. 42 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> Man, that's swimming well. You know, well I'm talking about I can see the grass in my backyard again. Wow. <laughs> I've got a question. I'm looking at getting a smaller SUV similar mm-hmm. to a Nissan Murano. Uh, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. 
What's been your experience with the Nissan vehicles as far as their transmissions, uh, yeah, EBT had, transmission? Well, we've seen a lot of trouble with Nissan transmissions in general across their line. You know, they had the problem with the Frontier and those with the uh, radiator busting and leaking into it. And then the Maximas and those, they have a lot of trouble with the valve bodies going out. I got to say, I'm not very pleased with the Nissan products right now. Just seem like they're having way, way too many problems. We see much, much better results with the Toyota or the Honda or the Acura or the Lexus products. Yeah, I've been looking at that Toyota. Uh, I, I like their Venza, but that's been on so many years. It's mm-hmm. dated by now. And yeah. I'm not sure if they just quit that vehicle or not, but it's just they aren't coming out with one right now. Yeah, and that's kind of a good thing in a way because it means that it's got a lot of older proven technology on it rather than a bunch of new stuff that's gonna yeah. break you know and in my opinion i really don't like buying a first year vehicle no just because of the problems hadn't all completely been worked out yet i like to wait two or three years to, well, to buy a newer when you get an vehicle. end of the cycle vehicle of course when a new one comes out and yours looks dated that's the downside but right you do get proven technology because most all the bugs have been worked out of it so from a standpoint of styling it's probably not the best move but from a standpoint of reliability i've that's real good i know i've got a buick park avenue 05 which is the last of that cycle and find that most of the problems they had earlier on had gotten worked out by 05 it's advantages each way right one other quick question mm-hmm. i've got a 71 caprice with mm-hmm. my father's car uh-huh got thirty two thousand miles wow. on it wow like, like brand new but should i stick with the same He's, he always used the quaker state 10w30 in that car should i stay with that oil yeah that's not gonna hurt anything on that one probably was the recommended oil on that year model on 71 yeah i would just stay with the same exact all i'd stay with the same brand and everything i don't really like changing brands all of them are pretty good whether it's quaker state or Havlin or whatever brand mobile or whatever they're all good but they're not all compatible some of the additive packages can be a little different and particularly older engines don't like that when you change their additive package you can end up with all consumption issues okay i really appreciate your show i enjoy listening to it every week and right. uh, hope for a nice holidays for all you. right bob well thanks for calling man Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901. And Bob, all the way from Minnesota. There you go. There you go. That lets you uh, know you get, you get... 42 degrees, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I say, that's swimming weather there, man. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, they say any water that is warm, and they define warm as liquid. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the tough guys, man. I don't know. I know it. You know, I like it to be about 90 degrees before I hit that water. <laughs> uh, I'm with you. You know, we were talking about our website and get your questions answered. Right. right now is the perfect time to call. we still got a few minutes to give you a live answer. That's right. But should you happen to miss it or say you think of something during the week. After the show goes off air. Even while we're on vacation next week. Mm-hmm. You can go to our website, click the contact button, and get your questions answered that way. That's right. And this is what Mr. Derek here has done. For, he's got a Honda Civic. And he had the timing belt done a while back. Okay. And he was driving his car, and he had to take a sharp turn real quick, and he ran over something in the road. Mm-hmm. And a few days later, the car quit running. Well, he got it to his mechanic, and the mechanic told him that the timing belt was destroyed. And he was wondering if hitting the curb or whatever he had hit mm-hmm. had damaged the timing belt. Mm-hmm. And what we've found out that depending on what he hit and where he hit suspension components the oil pan hangs down real low that's right so does the crankshaft and the bottom of the timing cover Mm -hmm. if that part was damaged yeah then it's very possible that it it burned up the belt and kicked it off yes uh, and destroyed the engine well and if it hits that timing cover it's just plastic sure it's designed to keep debris out and rainwater and such as that but it's really not a shield against any kind of an impact Mm -hmm. so yeah an impact to the front of the engine can definitely damage the timing belt which may stop the engine from running and in some cases actually damage the engine 
So you have to be pretty careful with that kind of stuff. It's like a dent in the oil pan. A lot of times we get folks come in and they ran over something, bent the oil pan, and kept driving the car. Uh-huh. And they end up burning up the engine because what happens, there's a pickup tube that resides pretty close to the bottom of the pan. And when you hit that pan, you may tip that pickup tube up to where the top of the tube actually comes out of the oil. Right. And if that happens, it sucks air. Well, when it sucks air, the hydraulic effect of the pump is broken up. Sure. So then you no longer get oil pressure to the engine. And I've seen engines and transmissions burned up because of a dent in an oil pan. Sure. So anytime you run over anything or strike a curb or anything, it's always a very good idea to bring it to someone, have them inspect it for you, or at very least get under it and inspect it yourself. Look for things that are bent or damaged or dented, knocked out of place, and so on, because most time it's a fairly small repair at that point. Correct. But if you continue to drive it and damage something else, we see that a, we see that a lot with the newer cars because everything is so low now. Yeah, you know, even your Buick, your 05 Buick, That's is right. real low in the front, low and tight. And you end up when you pull up to a curb, a parking curb, you may end up bumping it mm-hmm. or something of that nature. Uh, there's actually an insurance term called mitigating damages, and under the warranty on your car, you have the responsibility to mitigate damage. Uh huh. For instance, if you hit something and damage the oil pan and you bring it in and have it repaired, that's great. But if you burn up the engine, that's not covered under your warranty. Right. Because your responsibility was to mitigate the damage. You had to stop driving the car. It's not unlike if your front window on your house blows in during a storm. If you let it just sit there and let it rain in there and ruin your carpeting, well, the insurance company is going to pay for the window, but they're not going to pay for the carpeting and all the other damages because it was your responsibility, which you failed to do. So, hey, go, Brian's having a hacking coughing attack here, so <laughs> kind of leaves me there. Just before uh, we got all the calls and stuff, we were talking a little bit about electrical stuff and checking things and testing things. And one question that I get an awful lot, and folks will say, my fuel pump is not working, and I test it, and I don't have voltage going to the pump. Well, what you have to remember on a fuel pump is that when you turn the key on, the computer will ground the relay, and it will run that pump for just a few moments, maybe one, two, three seconds, just enough to get fuel up to the injectors. But unless the engine starts... And it knows whether it's starting or not because it's washing the crank sensor. If it does not start, it's going to cut the power to the fuel pump. So if you just turn the key to on and go under and check the voltage at the pump, you're not going to have any. Right. By the time you open the door and get out, it's over. That's right. The pump has quit running. The event has ended at that point, so you can't test power at the fuel pump that way. What you have to do is to jump the relay. And there's a relay that controls that. Right. There's a, it's called a fuel pump relay. That's and it's right. usually underneath the hood in the service center. I say service center. Right. It's a fuse power center. center. Power distribution center. Mm-hmm. A lot of vehicles, when you flip the lid over, it has a diagram right. of what each circuit Schematic. does. Mm-hmm. But some don't, so you have to go to a wiring diagram to figure it out. Right. But like Lewis was saying, if you will unplug that relay, mm-hmm. jump the relay, then you're sending 12 volts to right. it. If you jump across and you've got 12 volts, well, now automatically you have confirmed that the fuse is good, the wires are good, the pump is good, and all that is good. You've Correct. confirmed all that. So now you only have to check for command to the relay. Okay. And if you don't have command to the relay, then that's a whole separate issue. Sure. And a separate group of things that you want to start checking. That would be something like possibly the theft system has armed and is cutting power to the relay. The PCM has shut the relay down for some reason. The wires to the relay have gone bad. The, the relay itself could be bad. The driver in the computer has gone bad. It yeah. could be a, a number of things. You just have to know... What you're looking for in certain events 
to make it logical. Right, but to make that one simple test, you just jump with the relay, and you've tested about 10 components, and you can eliminate all of those. Right. You don't have to worry about the fusion, you don't worry about the wires, you don't have to worry about the fuel pump itself. You've all you've confirmed exactly. all that's good with just a very, very simple little test. Exactly. So just something that a lot of people don't think about when they're looking at a fuel pump. They think it's going to have power to the pump all the time, and it just doesn't. It only has it for a couple seconds. So sure. Just a little different perspective there. It might then, save you a whole bunch of money when right. you're trying to troubleshoot that circuit. While you're back there, check the ground, because a lot of times the ground will get looser or get dirty on the, the fuel pump, and they will. Right. Well, you got to have 12 volts, and you got to have a ground correct. to make a circuit. And without correct. either one. And you want to check those at the wires at the plug. You don't want to check your ground somewhere else. Right. You can do a voltage drop across the connector and make sure it's not flowing voltage around the connector, too. Correct. be another way. You can go to our website and just search for voltage ground. That'll tell you. Hey, I see we're completely out of time. I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And keep listening. Tell your friends and go to your favorite rebroadcast service and give right. us a written rating if they have the, yeah. the capability. Give us a review. That'll move us up in the rating so more folks can hear us, and we really appreciate that. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.